this is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale, the nine-book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. Finally, I'd like to tell you about another podcast that might interest you. King's River Life has a new mystery podcast called Mystery Rats Maze. Episodes consist of mystery, short stories, and first chapters of mystery novels, read by local actors. To listen to the episodes and subscribe to the podcast, you can go to mysteryratsmaze.podbean.com, iTunes, and Google Play. Hi, everyone. Today on The Crime Cafe, it's my pleasure to have a writer of fiction, nonfiction, a reviewer, and a self-proclaimed pulp scholar. It's my pleasure, as I said, to introduce Andrew Nettie today. Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Nice to be here. I'm so happy you can be here. Yes, yes. It took a little bit of organizing, but we did it. Yes. We did it. We did it. Um, Let's see. How would you describe your particular type of fiction writing? Oh, look, I think (laughs) without trying to make it too complicated, I probably sort of, I I like to say that I sort of write elevated sort of genre novels. I don't, I don't think they're just, they're sort of, it's, it's hard boiled fiction with a sort of noir tinge, although I don't think you can call yourself noir, you have to let someone else call you that. (laughs) But I do try and, I do try and put um, a lot of work into them. I try to make the writing the best I can, and I try and make, I try and inject quite a bit of politics and and setting into my into my crime novels. So my my second novel um, is called Gunshine State, and that's a it's a heist novel. It's a heist gone wrong novel. I love heist movies, and I always wanted to write an Australian heist gone wrong novel because there's so few of them. Uh, but it's also uh, quite political and it's set in um, a number of places. It's set in, in Queensland, which is in Northern Australia. It's also set in Melbourne and it's also set in Thailand where I lived for quite a while. I see. Well, I'm reading it now and enjoying it very much. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your first novel, Ghost Money? Yeah, Ghost Money, uh, a novel dear to my heart. Um, I worked as a journalist in Cambodia in the 1990s um, at, uh, for a wire service for a while. I, I used to come, I, I, lived in the, I lived in that part of Southeast Asia for about um, uh, seven years and I spent quite a bit of time in Cambodia. I always thought Cambodia would be a great setting for a crime novel, uh, partly because you, things happened every day in Cambodia. You just couldn't make up. T- terrible things, but also wonderful things. Also, I'm fascinated by the I'm fascinated by um, 
the notion of what constitutes justice and law and order in countries which lack a great deal of justice and law and order and which have had something like the Khmer Rouge, you know, that the, the, the horrendous Pol Pot regime happened to them. So, but I was, so I, I, when I was working in Cambodia in the 90s, I always thought this would be really great to set a crime novel here. And I never got around to it. I was too busy working as a journalist. And then later on, I sort of came back to back, that, that was in the mid 90s. And then basically in about 2007, actually my father died and I had this epiphany and I thought I have to write this novel. So the family, my family and I, we went and lived in Cambodia for a year and I wrote uh, a novel that's called um, Ghost Money, which is set in Cambodia, set in Cambodia in the mid nineties. And uh, the key character of which is a Vietnamese Australian uh, former policeman who now works as a private investigator and is hired to go to Phnom Penh, Cambodia, the capital of Cambodia, to look for a missing Australian gem trader. Um, and that, yes, that's my first novel, Ghost Money. Hmm. Well, I got to tell you, um, how much of your inspiration for these novels comes from just reading the headlines? Oh, for that one, so much. So much, and a lot of history. It's a very rich, historically rich novel. Some people uh, think that there's too much history in it. Um, that, might, that might be the case. Um, I was... It was very much based on fact. In fact, um, I took, I didn't use a lot of material that I just thought people simply would not believe. A lot of real material. So it's, it's, it's a fictionalised version of a whole lot. I mean, the central, the central spine of the novel, The Search for the Missing Gem Trader, is actually also based on a sort of semi-real-life event that happened in um, Phnom Penh, uh, back in the early 2000s, the murder of an Australian gem trader in a, um, a hotel room in a, in a luxury hotel in Phnom Penh, which was never solved, as a whole backstory to that. Uh, that's, that's, so that was the sort of germ of it. The novel is set at a point when the Khmer Rouge, the, so the Khmer Rouge, a lot of people may not realise, the Khmer Rouge insurgency was actually still going right up until the early 2000s. I mean, they'd, they'd been pegged back in terms of their territory um, a lot. By 1996, when I was working there as a journalist, the, 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 the insurgency was still going very strong. So the government versus the, um, the Khmer Rouge and, and complicated by the fact, of course, that both sides were also trying to make money. And what happened in, in, in the mid-90s is that there was a big split in the Khmer Rouge and their foreign minister, a guy called Eng Suri, or a person who had been their foreign minister, who had this big base on the, the Cambodian side of the Cambodian Thai border, he split from the main body of the Khmer Rouge uh, without going into any of the details. That was, in a sense, we didn't quite see it then, but looking back at it now, that was really the beginning of the end of the Khmer Rouge. So they, all, they started to fall apart very quickly after that. When Eng Suri um, split, uh, it was, he, he, was, he was in a town called Palin on the border, or in, on, on, the, on the northeast border in Cambodia. Uh, no one had ever been, very few people had been in Palin. Um, and there was always rumours about how many soldiers he had and how much influence he had. And both sides at that time, Cambodia was ruled by a very unstable, um, what's the word, an alliance of two parties that had been at civil war with each other for most of the 80s and the UN had brokered a, a very unstable truce with them. 
to form a coalition government and they were fighting the Khmer Rouge and they were fighting each other. And as soon as the Khmer, that Engsuri split, both these sides of this coalition government started trying to woo him because they were lining up for what would eventually be um, the armed conflict, the very brief armed conflict that those two sides of the coalition government would have. Anyway, it's, the book is set amongst that backdrop. Um, and it, it, I, that's what I mean. It's, it's a crime novel, uh, very much so. But I was also very keen to talk about what Cambodia, I suppose, back then as a broken country, but also as a country where people were trying to put it back together and what it was like for ordinary commands. Um, so I was trying to be very faithful to that while at the same time deliver a really sort of exciting, um, dark crime novel. So that's what I mean, I suppose, when I say elevated, that elevated genre stuff. You're trying to, trying to be political. You're trying to have setting. You're trying, there's a lot about Cambodian, Cambodian history, what Phnom Penh was like in the mid-90s. But none of that is any good, I think, if you're not delivering also a really interesting, exciting uh, crime novel. Of course not. Yes, because there's the entertainment factor. And that's right. That, the desire to get lost. It's just right. didacticism. Yes, it's just didacticism otherwise, and you're just preaching at people. Exactly. You don't want to do that. Um, hey, if I wanted to write a, a speech, a political speech, I'd do that. But um, yes. uh, in any case, I was, I was just going to say, you must do a lot of research for your books. Well, that, that book was a lot of research, but because you're, you're trying to recreate Cambodia in the mid-90s, exactly. where I was there. I, I had been there, but then it was 10 years later that I then lived there again. And Cambodia was changing very rapidly and I wanted to get, I did a lot of history for that book. Um, I did quite a bit of research for Gunshine State, my second novel. I'm doing a bit of research for the, the sequel to Gunshine State, which is called Orphan Road. Um, but I'm trying to do less research. I'm, I'm trying to make them accurate and still trying to retain those elements I was talking about, but not doing, you know, I'm trying to not do quite as much research because I'm going to do... In a sense, I did the most research for ghost money. I had to do that with every single book. It would take me forever to write anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, it's like, it's fiction, okay? That's right, it's that's right. I think a, a, a lot of people seem to miss these days. I don't know, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I've got to ask you this. Uh, you um, write book and film reviews. Uh, I was going to say that basically you have my dream job writing book huh. and film reviews. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, how did you end up working for Noir City? Oh, I Noir. I've only written once or twice for them. Um, and I'd like to write that. So, so Noir City is the magazine of the Film Noir Foundation. So I think it's yes. based in San Francisco. Terrific organisation. I think I just pitched them. People, ah. just pitch. <laughs> so no special connections there, eh? Oh, not particularly, no, no. And I have, I, I do, I have met Eddie Muller, who's the guy really? who runs Film Noir, because I've been, I have been an attendee in the past in a, at an event which is held in Philadelphia, a wonderful event called NoirCon. Uh-huh, I've heard of and, it. Yeah, and uh, he was there one year. So I have met him and I've had a bit of email correspondence with him. And, oh, how uh, cool. So, yeah, I, I would like to write more and I'd like to do, I don't make a living doing film and book reviews. I'd like to. I make, I make, I make a, a, a supplement my income doing that. 
But I mean, as I was saying to you before, um, currently doing a PhD, so that's really put a that's put a crimp in my reviewing at the moment. I just not I'm not doing nearly as much as I'd like to. Well, I admire you're going out for the PhD yeah. in uh, pulp paperback publishing in Australia. That's right. That's a heck of a uh, subject there. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what makes Australian literature or crime fiction even unique. Well, everyone's everyone's crime fiction is unique. Um, of course. I think, look, That's I'm... peculiarly peculiarly Australian. <laughs> it's a really interesting question. And I think... Well, and it's changed too. So there wasn't... I mean, if you look at the state... I mean, very broadly, the, the stages of crime fiction in Australia in the 50s and 60s, uh, our crime fiction was very, I would say, I mean, and there's always exceptions to this, a lot of our crime fiction, but the dominant crime fiction was very faux American. So we we were part of that wave that took place uh, across the Anglo-American world of that emulate. It happened in Britain as well. You know, Australians writing crime novels set in uh, America. And in fact, uh, uh, one of the people in my PhD, probably the most, the least known, most successful crime writer in Australia is a guy called Alan Yates, who wrote a very long series of, a very long series uh, under a pseudonym called Carter Brown. And that was all faux American crime fiction. He started in the early 50s. But actually that, that, that American, that series was on sold to Signet in New York, who published it for then another, another 10 years. So you can sell um, ice to Eskimos and you can sell faux American crime fiction to Americans. There you go. Um, <laughs> so then it, so in terms of local crime fiction, in terms of Australian crime fiction that really reflected what was going on in Australia and Australian themes, that didn't really happen then until the 80s. In the very early 80s, there was a crime writer called Peter Corris and he, uh, he started writing PI novels set in Sydney and they were infused with a very Australian sense of place and class and vernacular. Um, that, that, that rode throughout the 80s. And we've, we've sort of wrote, and, and that's crime fiction, modern Australian crime fiction kind of took off from there. Um, I, I don't know that, trying to, that's, I'm still not sure if I've answered your question. I mean, because at the moment, see Australian, what's, what's popular in Australian crime fiction at the moment is rural, small town, crime that's huge at the moment uh but that seems to be quite big everywhere at the moment so um i suppose what makes really good australian crime fiction the sense of place the sense of australia the sense of what some people call sunshine noir that uh very sunburnt very Large, it's a large country. There's a lot going on. I suppose one thing that's starting to be picked up a lot in our crime fiction that probably hasn't always been reflected is also our, unrecon un our unreconciled uh, history to our Indigenous people, who we treated very, very badly um, and continue to treat quite badly. And that's a theme that uh, is starting to come across in a lot of our crime fiction now. But it's very diverse. It's a huge country. 
Um, so there's crime fiction set in the cities. A lot of it's now set in the bush and in, in the outback. That's really very big at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that the outback seems like one of those kind of bleak landscape noir settings. Oh, it's bleak. It's, it's, yeah. it's, quite, it's stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's hot. It's hard. It's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has all those qualities. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a terrific uh, book. I still think one of the best books, though, is um, which maybe maybe lots of people may not like this, but I think encapsulates a lot of it. Is a book called Wake in Fright, which is about this sort of middle class English teacher who's stranded in the outback for a weekend, stranded in this outback town for a weekend. That's a, hmm. by a guy called Kenneth Cook. Very, they made a film of it in the early seventies. Amazingly visceral book about masculinity and drinking and uh, really captures what, a, what the Australian outback was like for a long time and arguably what aspects of it are still like. Huh. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Um, before we go, I have to ask you, who are your favourite authors and what are your favourite films? Oh, wow. Crime fiction. Authors. Uh, oh, look, I love Elroy. Not so much these days, but I think everyone, I mean, you can't have a, you can't have a discussion about crime fiction, I think, without really talking about Elroy. I love Elroy. He's been a huge influence on so many writers, including myself. Um, I'm a huge fan of an author called Donald Westlake, who wrote a series of novels featuring a criminal character under the pseudonym Richard Stark. Um, and those books are a huge influence on my um, character, Gary Chance, who's the main character in my, in my heist novel you're reading at the moment called Gunshine State. Um, I'm a big fan of Megan Abbott, uh, New York-based crime writer. Uh, she's in Queens. Uh, I think her stuff, particularly her early historical novels, are terrific. Um, oh, look, Australian writers, there's, there's a lot of them. There's a Robin, there's an... There's a novelist in Perth called David Wish Wilson. Perth's on the other side of Australia to me. I'm in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably one of the best and uh, least recognised crime novelists writing in Australia at the moment. Um, oh, look, there's so much. I'm just looking at my bookshelf over here. There's, uh, you know, Don Winslow. I'm a big Patricia Highsmith fan. Um, yeah, look, there's so much, so much good stuff. When do you even get the time to sort of to read it, yeah. Uh-huh. And films, favourite films? Oh, look. <laughs> I that, changes, know. that changes all the time. I can't... I'm a big film noir fan. Old movies, huge, then. No, old movies. movies, old movies, new movies. I look, I'm just a movie buff. I love, you know, I right? love all movies. But, you know, I'm trying to think, what have I seen recently that I really like? There was an American book called Widows. Mm-hmm heist novel, uh, sort of a heist about this group of heisters, this heist gang, and they all get killed, or we think they all get killed, and their wives have to basically take over this particular job to get out of get out of debt. Huh. Um, I really like that. No, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty promiscuous with my taste in movies. Huh. Cool. Well, yeah. I can appreciate well, that. Now I have, to, I have to watch superhero movies because my daughter's into them, so, you know. <laughs> So you're open to that sort of thing. Oh, I'm open to it. I'm, I'm really, really, I'm pretty much open to anything, actually. Cool. Well, that, that's, that's an excellent way to be. 
Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I love all sorts of movies. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? No, just thank you very much for having me. Well, it was my pleasure to do it, uh, Andrew. Okay. And am I saying your last name right? Is it Nettie? It is Nettie. You got it Nettie. right. Most people don't. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you before we got started and I forgot. Anyway, so I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, again, I'd like to thank uh, Andrew for being here. And um, it's been fun talking. And I hope you have enjoyed the show. If you have, please leave a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. It helps the show a lot if you can do that. I'd also like to encourage you to check out my books and the Crime Cafe uh, ebook box set and anthology on my website, debbymack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com. And just click on Crime Cafe and you'll find all the information about how to subscribe and the Patreon uh, campaign to which I am currently contributing serialized uh, accounts from my uh, latest work in progress. And I'm gonna be doing that uh, over the course before, these are pre-edited drafts for anyone to look at who supports the uh, Patreon campaign. So um, in any event, uh, I hope you'll check that out. And with that, I'll just say thanks so much for listening and happy reading, and I'll see you in two weeks. Our guest next time will be James Longmore.